0: Welcome to Making Conversations Count, the podcast where we invite business leaders to join us to share their pivotal moments. In their stories, we can help aspiring entrepreneurs with their own journeys. And today I have got the very fantabulous Claire Wilcox from The Balance Collective. Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: It feels like absolutely ages since we've had a proper catch up. How have you been? All right. And actually, I think all right is good enough right now when you think about the change curve and all those types of things. I'm good appreciating the small things in life, learning about what I can control and interestingly being a lot more vulnerable about the fact that I'm not Teflon.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a good lesson for us all to be enjoying the small things. Clara, where did we meet? If you can remember, it was quite a few years ago
1: now. As you just reminded me, we actually met four years ago at a networking event when I had not long sort of come out into the world as an entrepreneur. Although my vivid memory of you was obviously after that meeting, because I don't think we would have sort of been as in-depth conversation if we hadn't already met before was at another networking event. You know, literally in a space of turning up to a group where the expectation is having permission to talk about who you are and what you do and having really good conversations and say, I'm five years since I went 100% into self-employment this week. So you've pretty much been around the majority of my time in business, which actually makes me feel quite emotional, I've said it, i have say that I It's
0: um, gone really yeah. quickly because I remember yes. quite clearly the early days of the Balance Collective. So tell the yeah. listeners, what is it you do
1: now? Because it's changed dramatically. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. So um, I help parents create a career to enjoy, not endure. So that is helping individuals, usually mums, but not exclusively, reprofile who they want to be in their working life. Looking at career confidence, work-life balance, and bringing together everything, and that might be returning to work after a parental leave or a career break, or looking for the next career path. But I also work with organisations as well, so I work really closely with HR departments, people that have responsibility for staff wellbeing. And again, I'm part of the maternity package for a lot of organisations now. So when their staff are coming back, I do one-to-one coaching, but I do a lot of workshops as well around resilience, wellbeing work-life balance transitioning back into being a grown-up I can't promise that, that you're a full grown-up even when you work with me I can't <laughs> promise that <laughs> but yeah you know interesting I was I was talking to that about a client earlier today about from a concept of personal branding so the work I've always done so my background's sort of recruitment and not-for-profit project management with employability skills and training has always been about life transitions that has been something that's always really fascinated me. You know when you th- you know when you actually think about work, it's such a massive part of what we do and who we are and how we show up in the world and it's treated sort of equally as being the most important thing in the world and the least important thing at exactly the same time. And I find it really I've always found it really interesting why people choose what they do, but getting people to understand the choices they've made, you know, around their values, around the personality profile, around what makes them happy basically. I want people to be able to come home or you know shut the laptop at the moment at the end of the day and think I've had a really useful productive day because that's how I've always felt about work even when work's been really stressful and overwhelming. I've always felt like I'm doing the right thing and I belong so that's what I want for the people that I work with. Being valued as well isn't it? Yes but also being valued by the things that you value as well. So quite often people will They'll live their life success measures by the belief systems of other people, either be family or culture or organisation, but getting people just to feel a little bit more in control about what they do and how they spend their time and where they spend their energy.
0: And those conversations are going to dig quite deep, aren't they, into mindset, into how they've been brought up. Expectations, (laughs)
1: yeah, where I'm going
0: with this. So, being able to hold those conversations is like being able to hold somebody's hand, isn't it, and say, Look, whether you feel uncomfortable or not, it's okay because we can find a solution.
1: Yeah, interestingly, sort of the conversation that's been quite career changing for me was exactly that. It was a really uncomfortable conversation, a very vulnerable conversation that left me really, really exposed. But actually, I felt the power of conceding to what was going on because somebody asked me the right question at the right time, which quite often is what coaching is. There's a lot of people out there that sort of put a whole smoke and mirrors, but actually coaching is managing people through a supportive, reflective, non-judgmental conversation at a point in their life when they're willing and able to have it. My role tends to switch between coach and, and mentor and consultant depending on exactly what I'm doing. But irrespective of if I'm moving to mentor or consultant, it's always that underpinning coaching conversation. And most people I know know the answers to what they want to do, but they're waiting for permission to do it. Yeah, so true. Just wanting
0: somebody to say an affirmation as much as anything, isn't it, that things are okay work through what that will look like once you've made one step what's the step after that and the step after that
1: definitely you know and and it's giving them permission to want different things you know especially because I say I work predominantly with parents what we wanted in our 20s is different to our 30s and our 40s because of the life experiences that we have you know and I'm sure you can imagine some of the conversations I'm having at the moment with a lot of return to work and career coaching clients because of what they've learned about themselves you know through what we're going through sort of locally regionally and globally as well and there's so much guilt hung up against that perfect example is you know I've worked really hard I've got my degree I've got this qualification I've got this level of responsibility at work and I just don't want to put my energy into it anymore and I feel like I'm letting myself down because we're told especially as women that you know you need to have it all you need to do it all and you know how dare you choose what you want because you know you need to have an example and actually One of the things that I do for myself personally and for my clients is actually simplicity is also a goal. Growth doesn't have to be a goal. Enhancements and development doesn't have to be a goal. It's okay to want to roll things back, which, again, I think, you know, the the current situation is making a lot of us have to do that and reprioritise.
0: Twenty years ago. When I was heading up a department, we were looking for staff. You know, it was an outbound call centre environment, really. My idea at the time was, well, let's get mums, working mums, you know, that want to do the school run, that perhaps can't go back into their ordinary job role. You know, I mean, we had some people from legal, we had somebody who was a forklift driver. They were Women that had got degrees or not, and it really didn't matter. But the underpinning for them all was that they wanted to be there for their kids, but they still had bills to pay. So my approach to that was well, look, ringing out is not probably the job you want to do, but we can at least enjoy it and we can at least maybe earn a little bit of extra money. And we had the best time and we had such fun every day. We knew what was expected of us, we delivered on our targets, but the loyalty that we had was phenomenal because of what we were giving back. You can go to the Christmas play, you can have the six weeks off.
1: Yeah, I think there there is an issue, I think, somewhat, which I think we're still picking up on, however, is this assumption to get that flexibility, there has to be a drop in pay, or there has to be a drop in capabilities. So that is very typical too. Well, you want flexible working, well, you're just gonna to have to take a pay cut. When actually I think what we've shown now is you know, out of the situation is that you can be outcome focused, you can work flexibly. It's not about being in work at a particular time, it's about utilising your skills and your experience and your approach to deliver the work you want to do. Because we're an industrialised society. The fourth industrial revolution's been totally sped up because of what's happened we've gone back to becoming a cottage industry where people are working at home because we have the technology to enable that to happen but so many organizations are still stuck by like the factory settings of nine to five everyone in the same place.
0: yes there needs to be more forward thinking from employers to be able to cater for staff. And certainly from a female point of view, what I wouldn't want to see is historically where women have become disenchanted with what they're doing. The only choice they have then is to go and get married and have children so that they can effectively run away from that situation and put themselves in to something else
1: yeah I think there needs to be such a big conversation around gender roles and um, because again you know I find it really interesting when I talk to people about what I do it's a client of mine actually we were chatting about something he went got to pull myself up on something so what do you mean he went I didn't even cross my mind you work with dads he'd realize his unconscious bias you know I work with parents I don't just work with mums and for people from a, a well-being perspective stuff like flexible working has to stop being an operational childcare issue for mums rather than a company culture you know a lot of people have caring responsibilities it doesn't necessarily mean that they're parents you know a lot of us are coming to an age now where we're like the sandwich generation where we have children and aging parents but actually the children are quite capable of looking after themselves it's the elderly parents or we want to volunteer or we have chronic health issues which means that you know you need to take yoga in the middle of the day to enable you to be able to sit down all day and I think you know whilst my niche is working with parents because of of how I want to develop and empower and and enable people to feel like they don't have to choose so you know there's a big issue around underemployment when it, especially when it comes to mums which you know with respect is exactly what you described which is I'm a lawyer but I'm having to do a call centre because I can't get a flexible job in law you know so then you're left with this massive skill base all this experience that isn't getting used but it has to be like a really open conversation about how we've got the technology now to work flexibly we've got the ability to be able to be output generated we have the ability to you know like me for example I was joking earlier you know sometimes the school run for me is, is 15 minutes when I'm walking on you know that's a long school run for me so you know before I went self-employed I couldn't do the school run because my commute into work was 40 minutes each way or what I had to do was adapt my working hours to take a pay cut to enable me to do the school run
0: or you have parents that have nurseries right on top of work so they can come straight out and be accessible to then still have to make the child do the commute
1: exactly you know and then you have issues around well what if you know when you're really the child anyway there's a whole other thing the logistics are the logistics are phenomenal well if you actually sit down and you know you look at a lot of organizations. Organisations are shutting down centralised offices, you know, places like Buffer have been totally remote for a long time. There's a lot of social enterprises that are totally remote. You know, now we're in a position where by being open minded about where you work and when you work, it actually brings a lot of talent base to the employer. So rather than saying, right, I need to find someone that can get to the office in 30 minutes, what they're saying is we need somebody that can deliver this thing. And actually, as long as they can deliver it between these hours, because we're on like, you know, Greenwich Mean Time, they can be anywhere in the world. Because for the last eight months, we've all been having to communicate on Zoom. So it enables employers to have a wider talent base, but also enables the parents who want flexibility, who don't want to be underemployed, that want to be able to do everything they need to do for themselves and their families it can make it happen but like you said it starts with a conversation because a lot of people that i know will not even talk to their employer about flexible working and flexible working doesn't mean part-time this is such a fallacy no
0: it. i think there's been a lot of employers i know certainly there's a client that i've been working with who has been pleasantly surprised that they've actually cut down on costs they're up on productivity the staff in some respects are happier still miss that social contact. So they're working a way around giving that social contact back to the team so that they feel like a team, even whilst they're working independently. And I applaud that because it is doable. I've been working remotely for 15 years
1: exactly and when we were able to leave the house quite comfortably you could do co-working you can have coffee meetings you know for organizations that want, you know to have that feeling you can have team meeting once a week where everybody comes in you know theoretically if they're in there you know and I, I know want it
0: called that. the water cooler chat yeah I yeah. want it in my diary as yeah you know let's just talk about what you were watching on the telly
1: Exactly. So it's all possible. So yeah, so that in a very massive nutshell is basically what I do. It makes me laugh because my mom's moving out. That doesn't make me laugh that my mum's moving out. But she found my old school reports. And I was apparently a very unconfident, unsure child. Right up until like middle secondary school, like Claire is a worrier. She's really anxious. She constantly needs reassurance. And it's interesting for me that I've come from a child that would constantly want to toe the line, was probably would have been classed as a sensitive, anxious child if, you know, I was at school now, possibly, you know, seen as neurodivergent. But I found something that really interests me. And that's just understanding why people do what they do. And I've niched it down into careers. So actually my career has been based on me talking and having conversations because I couldn't do. Yeah, and
0: channeling that passion.
1: Exactly. I couldn't do what I do. If I didn't have conversations, you know, when I was in recruitment, really, you know, sort of uncovering why people do what they do, not just taking it on surface level. And the same with the consultancy when I was a recruiter, because, you know, you're yeah, giving me a job spec, but that doesn't mean anything. And obviously it's moved and evolved from quite a transaction to, but why, why have you started that business? And why do you employ the people you employ? And why do you work with the clients that you, why do you do that rather than this? That,
0: that questioning behaviour, though, is what drills down to the right solution.
1: Yeah. And it's nice with the coaching because it's the person who decides what the right solution is for them. Even if they want me to give me suggestions, I say these are some options. But what are you going to do? You know, you've just reminded me of the
0: very first disc profile I ever had done when I was in my very first job. We are now talking 30 odd years ago. So yes. I bet these profiles have come on a bundle. Oh, they're since.
1: amazing. I've <laughs> just, I've just re- yeah, I've just reintroduced this back into my business for clients. And oh Have look. you?
0: Well, I <laughs> just remember answering all these different this. questions, you know, multiple choice, blah, blah. It took a couple of weeks to get the results because, of course, you know, you didn't enter it all into a computer or anything like that then. And right at the bottom of this report was the top 100 jobs that you would been best matched to do. You'll understand why it stuck in my mind, and I wish I'd got a copy of it because number one was entrepreneur. Number ninety-seven was telesales manager, which was the wow. job I was
1: doing. Says it all, doesn't it? I adore this. So when I used to do it, when I was in recruitment, we used to hand score it. So people would fill it in and then we tot it all up, draw the graph and read it off the graph. Of the reports that I do now, people get like a 17 page report, but I still do a lot of the graph reading. And it is, it's just, oh, I adore it. Again, it's another conversation starter.
0: Start some very interesting conversations about, <laughs>
1: yeah. well, why did you answer that then? What was the yeah. reasoning behind that? Yes, yeah, so what you interesting. think? Interesting. Yeah, how did you feel about this? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So Clara, I ask every guest on the show to think about a pivotal moment because I do think that from our experiences what those conversations are and what followed can be really enlightening for listeners. So tell me, what have you got to share with us today?
1: Okay. So possible slight trigger warning. Obviously you know, my journey into motherhood included one was quite a late loss and I remember being sat with the grief counselor at the time with the hospital. And uh, whilst we were dealing with with all of that on a personal level, on a professional level, there was one of I've I've lost count how many times it happened, but a massive change going on, massive change process going on at the organisation that I was working at. And I remember sat there talking to her and saying, if I lose my job, if I have to move into another department, they don't know the Clara. They won't know the Clara that was before this happened. They'd only know the Clara that is now. And I don't know who this clever is anymore and I don't know how to get her back and I'm worried I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life.
0: This is because of the grief that you were going through at
1: <laughs> just, just, just the time? Just the volume of grief and I'd had um, at the time I was I wasn't diagnosed with depression so not long after that I got the depression diagnosis so there was like massive mental health challenges going on and interesting for me the pivotal aspect of that conversation wasn't what she said back to me was just the fact I'd said it out loud. So I think quite often what happens is in life that we live our life by other people's expectations. We live our lives by the version of our life, either personal, professional, both that we thought we wanted. And we really resist the reality of how our life experiences totally change us we seem to accept that if good things happen it's going to develop our life and enhance our life but almost try to reject the negative things that oh no I'm not I'm going to let that bounce off me and I'm going to you know be really strong and and not let it happen which was how I was sort of living my life I was trying to do all the normal coping mechanisms and they just weren't working for me and actually off the back of that came to conversations with close family members in terms of saying I just don't feel right uh, I don't feel okay, and then you know, further conversation, which led to a conversation with the doctor, which led to going to see a counselor, which led to total reevaluation of my life and finding strength because I had to rebuild myself. I had to sort of stop trying to be the person I was before this traumatic experience happened, and decide how that life experience was going to be catalyst for creating a life that I could control a little bit. So, you know, I was sort of decided what was priority for me now and focused a lot more on making sure that that was brought into my life. And again, that level of vulnerability and asking for help, which before that point was just not me. Like I still struggle with it a little bit now, but up until that point, I would, I'm like, default, I'm fine. I'm fine. You can't. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, it's all right. It's hard, but I'll get, get, it's fine. It's all right
0: being an independent woman to a point, isn't it? Yes. We ought to tell the listeners that your book, What's Next? What what Now? What what Now? now, Sorry, yeah, What Now? You ought to do a What's Next then. That's obviously a premonition.
1: Yes. Well, Um, joking aside, that is a working title of a future future book. But anyway, carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) 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 But I was fortunate enough to
0: be one of the readers before that was published and it touched me on lots of levels. It made me see a different Version of the Clara that I knew. it touched me from a personal experience that I'd never shared with anybody that then encouraged me to share it. So the way that you're describing that conversation with the grief counselor is almost like seeing a thread, and it really just bugging you yeah and pulling on it and going. yeah and that thread sort of just got bigger and wider and gone off in different directions for you to have the conversations that you've needed at the time that you needed them Definitely. at your own pace.
1: Yes. For me as well, it was, you know, because of then, you know, the conversations that I had with the therapist and the doctor and family members, you know, even sort of people after reading the book were like, you know, we knew at the time you we weren't okay. And I was like, well, why didn't you say anything? Well, we did, but you said you were okay. And I was like, okay, well, that's a learning thing because okay is not, it's not a real thing. It's just a throwaway comment that people have. But it is this element of, and I think I said it in the book, you know, I I look back and I thought people didn't notice, but they did. But I wasn't listening. There's a certain amount
0: of denial that it's happening because you do want it to be all okay. because let's face it, you were a working mum, have a husband who's lovely, you know, do you know what I mean? We're not just Clara. We are that wife, mother, friend, daughter, sister, you know, the list goes on. So in every situation that you were faced with where people could see that you were struggling, you were just trying to put on the mask of whatever it was you expected them to see.
1: Definitely. And it's funny, actually, because I do remember at the time, the office that I worked for, we were at the end of a really long corridor. And I've always had the vision, like I'd get to the double doors and I'd go literally Uh yeah literally yeah obviously it's on a podcast so I was doing a big massive smile there literally put the doors open sort of to act as if and on the flip side as well I think it is also useful to know that sometimes you can force your way through a situation where it's useful where that coping mechanism is useful
0: defensive you're defending yourself
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, so there's been times where, you know, in work I've been asked to do something and I think, oh, my goodness me, that's terrifying. But I just say yes and find my way around it. So I think this conversation sort of was two things, really. It allowed me to be vulnerable and realise the world didn't fall apart and people just stepped up and wanted to help. But it also made me realise that I'm a lot more resilient than I possibly ever thought I was because of what had happened up to that point and how far it had gone before it got too far, if that makes sense. And I think as well it was, you know, an element of, you know, something happened to us which was awful, but with help and with time and you know, with the the physical passage of time, life's pretty good again. But it's changed my risk appetite. And it's you know, I wouldn't I can I can say this without a doubt. If we hadn't gone through what we'd gone through, I would not be running my own business now.
0: I was just gonna say that it's on account of your experiences that has led you on the journey that you've had and the success that you have with your clients in terms of how they feel in turn is because one, they know you get it and they can trust that you get it. I know that you're very a very good wordsmith in conversation and you're very intuitive and astute with people, but if they need to hear something straight, you'll give it them.
1: Yeah, what I try to do now with my work is try to be the person that I needed then. You know, somebody who was empathetic, who would have allowed me to work through this at the pace I needed to work through it, allow me to talk about things that were uncomfortable. And then actually, you know, sort of off the back of this, my blog for this week is all about having uncomfortable conversations uh, rather than positive conversations. Actually, sometimes you need to have an uncomfortable. You have to be comfortable having uncomfortable conversations, and actually, quite often. The thing that we're carrying around with us, whatever that thing may be, holds more power when you're silent with it. Where actually when you put it out aloud and share it with the world, then all of a sudden you can pick it apart and you can analyse it and you can have some logic behind it. And you can either catastrophize it to make it real. You know, so, you know, I was like, if I lose my job, I'm never going to get another job. I don't know who I am. No one's going to want to employ me. I'm going to be an absolute mess. And she's like, okay, well, what's the reality? So then the reality was, well, you know, X, Y, and Z redundancy, da 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 da. da you know, and, and the reality sort- if I don't
0: talk about it is that it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Exactly. And you know, and up until that point, I'd had sort of, you know, micro adjustments to be vulnerable. So you know, obviously, work straight away knew what was going on, and I was very open about it. You know, I think I mentioned it in the book when I was leaving my last job. I found the email that I sent to everyone, which is like, I'm not okay. I won't be okay for a while, but I'll talk about this. (laughs) I will talk about this. You don't have to talk about it with me, but if you want to, you can ask. So actually, this is where I struggle trying to find a conversation, because actually, since the minute I found my voice as a teenager, my whole life has been based on having really uncomfortable, difficult conversations and actually allowing other people to own that, I suppose
0: challenging their way of thinking is not a bad thing because mm. they're probably questioning it themselves thinking why am I doing this really yes.
1: yeah you know, so I, okay. you know I, yeah I was the one at sixth form that you know would always push back on the teachers and like as a parent had this sort of a conversation with my eldest about their you know their school policy around rolling up their skirts and you know we have an agreement that you know because she refuses to not roll up a skirt and she knows that what the school uniform policy is but she knows if she gets pulled up on that she's got the right to ask the teacher what the issue is and the only acceptable answer is it goes against school policy if it's distracting if it's this if it's that if the other that's a problem so I've built my life actually on retrospect like I say on having quite challenging uncomfortable conversations sometimes I don't like the answers to them you know but but we can't be I'm... happy
0: all the time can we and we can't be pleasing all the time
1: yeah I think the biggest lesson I learned from like a personal development perspective I remember I was doing one of the many leadership qualifications you get when you work at a university and there's a whole thing around you know conversations and there was a really it stuck with me so much which is that quite often we think the point of a conversation is making the other person agree with you and it's not it's about making sure you say what you want to say and they understand it I was like oh that's just amazing that's how I try and live my life
0: (laughs) and I'm sure you do and I know that your girls do too oh
1: yes oh yes
0: (laughs) That is something, that's your legacy right there. Yes,
1: definitely. Claire, I could talk to you for
0: hours. We do usually, but unfortunately I do need to wrap it up today. I'm sure the listeners will have gotten an awful lot out of you sharing today. Thank you so much. If anybody wants to continue the conversation, of course they can buy your book. Yes. And then now they will have you in their head. They will literally be reading it and they will hear (laughs) your voice, which (laughs) was, was how I read it.
1: Yeah, my Um, premier Dorset tones.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But if they want to pick up the conversation with you, if there's Mm -hmm. something that has touched them and they want to reach out, where can they
1: find you? Oh, well, I'm all over social media. So Clara Wilcox on LinkedIn. They have the Balance Collective website, which is thebalancecollective.co.uk, where I publish a weekly blog and a monthly personal development book review and on Facebook as well, which I think my handle now is Clara Wilcox BC because we've done a recent change on that. And the book, um, What Now? I can never remember the subtitle, but it's like Mental Health, Life After miscarriage, and Rebuilding. It's supporting
0: Edwards Trust, yes. isn't it? Yeah. for charity yeah must 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 say that it is all for the Edwards trust charity which does a fabulous job and i bet this year has been tougher than ever for them so yes clara thank you so much to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget we do reply to all of your comments. Share and subscribe through your family and friends, making conversations count.studio forward slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.